Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast, where we believe that lifelong learning and relentless determination are essential to developing your passions and reaching your goals. Here to help you along the way are the hosts of the show. Take it away, ladies. Hey, y'all. I'm Brooke. And I'm Farron. As educators and high achievers, we're passionate about providing our listeners with effective strategies to help navigate life's obstacles and reach your goals sooner. Join us as we break down credible research that gives you a fresh perspective and challenges your limiting beliefs. Laugh, cry, and grow as we share personal anecdotes and interviews from people that have demonstrated what it takes to be successful. By implementing these practices, you will develop your unique skill set and learn how to better serve your community. Prepare your hearts and enjoy this time designed just for you. Episode 41, Everything is Figure Outable. Chapter 3. Hey, everyone. <laughs> we didn't say hi or anything. So Hi. Hi. My name is Farron. I'm Brooke. We have similar voices. Yes. I think that means we like each other. I agree. If you're trying to figure out who is who, Farron has inflection. <laughs> and when I try to have inflection, I just get louder. <laughs> Working on it. I'm a robot. You've done very well. Oh, thanks. Thank you for the encouragement. And so this is chapter three. Yeah. You need to believe that you're making progress, Brooke. All that to say, chapter three is the magic of belief. Yes. And the little fun quote that goes with it is from Alice in Wonderland. Alice says, this is impossible. And the Mad Hatter says, only if you believe it is. Good inflection there. I kind of found him, like, annoyingly, like, with his points in the different movies and stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. I was entertained, but if I was Alice, I would not find it entertaining. Well, wasn't the person who wrote this tripping on acid? Maybe I made that up. (laughs) I feel like I heard that. I'm going to say yes. And the whole caterpillar scene? Oh, yeah. Who are you? (laughs) That scared me every time. Yeah. All that cat, the cat that disappears and stuff. You know what? I didn't like that movie. I'm just gonna say it. (laughs) It, I guess, scarred me. The Queen Hearts isn't nice either. There are no nice characters except for Alice, and she's unsure of herself. With I don't know. I just mm. I'm trying to remember (laughs) the plot and the life lesson it taught. She took a nap. She had a really weird dream. She Mm -hmm. woke up. Her cat's still there. That's it is like Wizard of Oz. Oh my goodness! She yes, out. It's, a cat. it's a dog, Toto. Yeah, it's oh man, it's like Vanilla Ice when he was like, you know what? It's different than Queen. It's not Queen's under pressure. Mine goes dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> so like, it's yeah, not. <laughs> copyright facts. Okay, anyway. so this chapter has a lot of really great stories and science about studies they've done where they've assessed people's belief in such and one of my most favorite parts was it talks about um i don't think it was kids maybe it was kids i think it was i think it was like a group it was a group of 13 boys yeah which i guess that makes sense at first i was like why would they experiment on children but then when you say 13 year old middle school boys then you're like oh yeah they can handle it um but they took the leaves to their skin Mm -hmm. and they had bad they knew that they had bad reactions to whatever this this plant was this poisonous plant it's like the american poison ivy but in another country yes so for the sake of it we're gonna call it poison ivy and so (laughs) on american poison ivy (laughs) read the book if you want to know the name of the plant 
Um, but they told them, we're rubbing your arm with poison ivy. But they weren't. And their skin broke out because of their beliefs that they were being touched by this plant. Yes. And then they had them come back later, which I'm surprised the parents were like, here, sure. <laughs> Have my kid again. Uh, and then this time they really did rub the poison ivy on them, but told them they weren't. And like eight out of the ten did not break out. That blows my mind. Yeah. So <laughs> she gives a couple of anecdotes in the book about how... They're telling the group of people one thing, and it's the total placebo effect. Yes. So if you think Advil works for you, so you got to take it. Weird, it's starting to work for you. So it's crazy how much to think that if your brain can believe it, then your body will start reacting. Yeah. Even if it's totally not a thing. And I immediately go to how many negative things we've convinced ourselves. Yes. About the way the world works, the way we operate and what we're capable of or even like man your beliefs about you know being an educator your students like dang you gotta be careful with that Mm -hmm. and then parents too um i'm coaching my older daughter's soccer team and And your middle daughter you're just (laughs) the coaching stud well this story comes from the older team and one of the parents was like who's familiar with soccer was like man, I can't believe you're already teaching them that. But, like, they're learning it. And I was like, yeah, yeah I mean, that's how it works with kids. You just say, I know you can do this here. We're going to do this. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. I must be able to do it. Right. So. Man, I remember coaching volleyball. And I worked for a phenomenal, she was a phenomenal coach. And the skill sets she was teaching them, like she was teaching middle schoolers at one point. So we went over to the middle school. I was at the high school. We went over to the middle school. To help kind of get the kids ready for the next year. She was teaching them like intense pepper stuff. And in my head I'm like, man. What's pepper stuff? Oh, pepper is where like it's you and a partner. And you toss it to them and they pass it back to you. And you set it back to them. And they hit to you and you dig it back up to them. And then they set it. And then you hit it down to them. And they dig it back up. And then you repeat. When you hit it down. Are you doing it with a little bit of spite or so, like, take this? Well, well spiking the ball yes. is not a coaching term. Okay. Kind of like when you say, blast it out of there for soccer. Like, <laughs> blasting it out of there isn't like a technical coaching term. That oh, is, I need so to stop saying that. Spiking the ball, uh, coaches are typically saying pass, set, hit instead of bump, mm. set, spike. So, man. Those high school cheerleaders taught us wrong when we were, like, cheering. I mean, they may have changed it. I haven't coached volleyball in, like, four years, maybe. No, I'm pretty sure you're you're right. And uh, I, uh, I mean, I played sand volleyball in high school, like, on the weekend for uh, fun. Yeah, look at you. And we bump, set, spiked. We didn't. Hey, you do you. <laughs> if you want to bump, set, spike, hit, yeah. whatever, you go for it. Yeah. Ball over the net. Over and in. Over and in, baby. Yep. So, yeah, our beliefs in what we can do and, like, talking ourselves out to something. Like, do you guys ever have that, like, momentum and I'm going to do this and then you slowly just start talking yourself out of it? It might be like, I'm going to go home and do a load of laundry. Mm -hmm. And you're adamant, like, that's going to make my life so less stressful. We're going to have clean socks and underwear again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you pull in the driveway and you're like, oh, I really should cook dinner before I put the load of laundry in and then you're like well now if I start it it won't be dry before bed and then it's wrinkly and you just Mm -hmm. you can talk yourself out of it so fast did you know Morgan 
thinks that the dryer is not a form of ironing your clothes. And I say, on contraire, mon frere, it is <laughs> that downy wrinkle release. You're just not using it right. I know. <laughs> as soon as that dryer goes off, you got to get those babies out, lay them flat somewhere, and then mm-hmm. put hangers on them later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's science. It is. It really is. Another one of the anecdotes that I really liked. So, again, the boys with the poison ivy stuff being told that it wasn't poison ivy and so they didn't react when really it was. They had another anecdote in there where it was people who had knee injuries of some sort and half of the group actually got their knee reconstruction. The other half, they just kind of scraped around and did some flesh, not like intense stuff, but they were both convinced that their knee surgery was complete and then there was an astronomical people of the ones who placebo affected, and they were miraculously healed, and their knee was no longer hurting. What? Yeah. What? I mean, part of me would be mad to find out that I, like... I'm sure they signed up for it, though, right? I guess. Oh, it was, I mean, it was double-blind experiment, but then surely you would know that you're walking into the experiment, but then... Uh, Maybe they said it's free, and so you had a chance to get a free <laughs> knee surgery, but you might not mm, actually sounds legit. get it. I just don't know. where <laughs> Somewhere that was a study. Yes, I think that um, it's great that they found these people to agree to these, because the results are fun to talk about, but I don't think I could sign up for any of this. So she talks about where, so Marie, that's Marie Forley, a yeah. first name basis like Brene. Yeah. So we got Brene Marie. So Brene was the last miniseries we did Daring Greatly, if you want to go back to that one. This one is Marie Forleo. So if we say Marie, you know that's who, who we're we talking mean. About. That's our bestie currently for the next 11 episodes. Yes. So Marie, she talks about where do your beliefs come from? And she breaks it down into kind of five different sections on where our beliefs come from, where yours come from, where mine come from, what the narrative in your head is. So the five are, and we'll talk about them as we go, environment, experience, evidence, examples, envisioning. Wow, it's kind of like a sermon where all the things start with the same letter. That is talent. Look at her go. So poetic. All right, so we'll start with the first element, environment. So where do your beliefs come from, your environment? So that could be where you live, the culture you grew up in. Mm -hmm. If you have, so my family, for example, were generational Christians. So being in that environment generation after generation, that has helped me come to my decisions mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, the environment you're in, especially at a young age when you're not in control of it, right? obviously is going to have a really big impact on um, the start of your life. And then, you know, people talk will talk about getting out of that environment and, you know, kind of maybe trying to get to a different place in life. But I think some people start in really good environments and then start putting themselves in situations that maybe they shouldn't be in, surrounding themselves with people they shouldn't be with. Um, Mm -hmm. And so even if you start out in life with this, you know, typical good environment, it doesn't mean you're, um, what's the word? Like it's never going to happen to you. Right. Every, no one's immune. Immune to it. I yes. You, girl. Thank you. So 1 Corinthians 15.33, that's the bad company corrupts good character. So you, like you were saying, Farron, you can be set up for success. Or we see it with kids mm-hmm. when they're, they've got a great family, a great support system, and then slowly they start taking baby steps away. And then a year later, two years later, what happened to my kid? Mm-hmm. So again... 
be aware. Just one bad company corrupts good character. And that's hard. Because then you're like, well, Jesus hung out with the blah, 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 blah. Right, but he was incorruptible. <laughs> and that doesn't mean don't witness to those people. Obviously do that. But there's a difference between sharing the gospel and then partaking in whatever they're doing. There's mm-hmm. a difference. And I think the last little piece that's in this section, and we'll probably get into further down the road, is you might need to take a look if you need to change your environment. So if you feel like you're doing all the right things, but you're not seeing any progress, you might need to stop and evaluate your environment, which has come up in several books. That's been a common theme. So you might have started in a good one. You might have gotten out of not a great environment. And then the last piece is if you're not seeing things fall into place, check your environment. See if right. you're operating around the right people because um, that could be what's holding you back. So a few mini series ago, we did the 15 invaluable laws of growth. And one of the laws was the law of environment. And he t- John Maxwell talked about how exactly what you said. Maybe things aren't progressing like they need to. And maybe it's just because you need to move out of that situation. Mm-hmm. So... If you want things to change and you're not changing anything, no change is going to happen. So if you feel like you've kind of come to that point, maybe you need to redirect somehow. And Trent Shelton talks about this a whole lot, too. I love Trent Shelton. Man, if you need a little, another pick-me-up. If if you need pep talks, go to his YouTube channel, Trent Shelton. Yeah, and so he talks about how a lot of times the people around you want to almost hold you back, which is very harsh to say, but because... If you move on without them, then what's that say about them? Like, they got to either choose to rise with you or pull you back so they don't have to, you know, extend themselves. And so, um, again, sometimes it's the people you love and care the most that are not as supportive as you thought they were going to be. So, anyways. The hard part is, if you're looking at it through a relationship with Jesus perspective, is the person you're spending the most time with, or like your five people, the five people you hang out the most with, will help kind of shape who you are so are those five people helping you grow your relationship if the answer is eh, i don't know then it's not so there's either if you're not growing you're dying yeah everybody yeah everybody if you're not living you're dying if not growing you're dying so if they're not helping you grow and thrive and push and they're not the if they're not behind you in your corner saying you got this let's grow let's do this then those aren't the right people and that is hard especially if that ends up being someone significant in your life that doesn't mean they won't rise with you you can encourage them to rise with you yeah and and you don't have to break up with them or right and randy talked about randy and david i think in their podcasts with us they talked about things you can do so i think david he was in our grit series he talked about if you want to go to church and your spouse doesn't want to go he he talked through that whole conversation on what to do how do you approach your spouse with that? What could you say and do? So go check out that episode because he tells you how to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And then Randy talked a lot about having an accountability person um, and how you go about picking the right person to keep you accountable. Right. And so um, that I found very valuable too. Yes. All right. So the next... E in the five E's is experience. Every time you uh, so I'm I was listening to Spice Girls earlier, so when she's is like, there more "Easy V, does it cover free?" She's like, "Really?" So when you were like, "The next E," in my head, I was like, "Easy V, does it cover free?" So I like when she goes, "Ah, you'll see." Ah, you'll see. Somebody, Somebody died, 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 died
Huh, huh. Man, that was. <laughs> we that don't, wasn't perfect. <laughs> we don't practice that, y'all. It just comes naturally. Oh my goodness. Anyways, speaking of experience. <laughs> I, yes, Baron. I am actually in a Spice Girls cover band. I have told no one this. I wondered where you were on Tuesday nights. Now I know. <laughs> oh, gee. Okay, so experience. She talks about how it helps cement your beliefs. So if you have a belief and then you have an experience that like solidifies or proves that belief to be true, oh my gosh, that can be damaging or inspiring depending on if it's a negative experience right. or a positive experience. Right. And that's all how you you control the perception of that. She talked about in chapter one with the Tropicana, or we talked about this, how she could have easily spun it to where we struggled for money and Mm-hmm. We always had to do stuff on our own. Instead, she was like, no, my mom worked hard for everything. She figured anything out mm-hmm. and put her, just shifted that perspective. So we can do that, too, with our experiences. We can leverage them. Any experience you go through, you can leverage it for good. Yeah. I don't know why, but what it reminds me of is Wayside School. So I don't know if you guys ever had your teachers read that to you. I or... love those books. Oh, my gosh. Sideways so Stories from Wayside School. There's a chapter about Kathy. And Kathy has a cat, and she is like, um, is afraid to love the cat because the cat's just going to run away. So to make sure the cat doesn't run away, she locks her in the closet and sometimes <laughs> forgets to feed her. And so the second she leaves the closet door open a little too long, the cat runs away and never comes back. And so she's like, see, I was right. This cat isn't going to stay and love me forever. And then a friend gives her a cookie. And she's like, I don't want your stupid cookie. So she leaves it at her desk. And one day she's hungry. And so she tries it. And it's obviously like hard and gross. And so she's like, see, I told you I wasn't going to like your cookie. And it just ends up. Isn't it funny how someone can be so right yet so wrong? Yes. And so that whole chapter is full of those kinds of things. And so from the outside looking in, it's easy to be like, no, she was wrong, and why can't she take a step back and see that she's responsible for the way it turned out? But I think we do that a lot. We justify right. um, our beliefs with the experiences. Right. There's also, so that verse about leveraging everything for good, that's Romans eight twenty eight, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So that's the biblical backup we're throwing with how we can leverage everything for good every experience can be leveraged and will be leveraged for good Um, I guess it was I think it was Paul and not Paul from the Bible Paul from our church hello Paul (laughs) we'll have you on later in this mini series Um, he talked about if it's not good it's not done yet Mm. so that helped me keep that in perspective like man if this certain whatever is we're in the trenches then it's not done yet yeah. Because everything's going to be good in the end if we're followers of Christ. So, yay. I think it's good for that example, too, to have people, again, on the outside that can look in or give you a different perspective on a situation, too. Um, because Ooh. it'd be so disappointing to miss out on, you know, an opportunity uh, because of yourself beliefs and experiences right and also if you're going well I don't have a lot of experiences or I'm newly married I don't have a lot of marriage experience well you know people who do so you could actually go seek wise counsel that's where you can throw that piece in and you can find people who have experience and good experience they can share with you Mm -hmm. or tips tricks truths any of that give me two more t's and you get the five t's and tic tacs (laughs) (laughs) they're never a bad idea 
<laughs> See? There you go. All right. And speaking of which, evidence. Easy V. <laughs> evidence. Number three. Uh, you and me. Uh, what is that? Michael Jackson. Jackson 5. Yes. A, B, C. Man, we are sing-songy tonight. I like it. We're into it. Um, So evidence. This comes from, she says, authoritative figures that you accept as like the people proclaiming the truths. Um, I remember being in church and um, they always are like, get out your Bible if you brought your Bible, which I hope you did. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if someone wrote a letter about that. But for some reason, the pastor that day was like, so we mentioned you bringing your Bible and we really encourage you to read it because, you know, you're putting your, um, what, what am I trying to say? Your faith, your trust. Yes. But like your eternity Mm -hmm. in our hands or like you could read the Bible yourself. Yes. And learn it for yourself. Yes. So putting Mm -hmm. that all in someone else's hands instead of playing an active role and being a part of it. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, Yeah. So here we have like different, like the media and authoritative figures that we, but do we ever go and do the research as well? Right. Or are we going to be the ones to like break the mold or prove the statistics wrong and things like that? So I did like that she included this evidence here because I don't know, I have a high respect for authority Mm -hmm. and especially people that like scientists and doctors that I'm like oh you're so smart this is all you do all day long but they're human too right and um, they learn just like how our brains learn so yep and there's evil in the world so you just never know right you never know also I forgot to say this about the experience yeah and you mentioned this a couple of episodes ago about how things oh it was your your episode where we interviewed you Oh. Look at you. If you haven't heard that one, guys, Baron talks about miscarriage, and she is a rock star. So you go, girl. No. But you talked about how something that helps you get through it was going back and looking through all the other phases of life when God got you through this thing, and God got you through this thing, and you just had time after time after time that you could lean on mm-hmm. to where you knew, okay, God's got this. Obviously, I don't need to worry about that element of it, so mm-hmm. moving on mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yep. Look at you. And that could even play for evidence, right? Yeah. Like... Man, with the miscarriages, like, didn't know if I was ever going to have another kid, statistically, or science, medical stuff, and I've had two. Um, And I feel like you hear those stories all the time, the people that have, like, a 2% chance of getting pregnant, and they just stopped trying and thought they might go adopt, and they adopt a baby and find out they're pregnant in the same week, and things like that. So, Mm -hmm. um, you can have all the evidence stacked against you, and still... um, be the exception. Yeah. All right. The next E is examples. And this is referring to role models, mm-hmm. um, which I think some people tend to say that they don't have, uh, they haven't seen it modeled or there's not someone doing what they're doing. And I agree that's definitely harder. Um, but if you want to be, if you have this unique business idea, there are other successful women in business, even if it's not the same right. uh, product or market that you're in. So sometimes you might have to get creative when looking for examples or role models. Yeah, I like that. You know what? That's another one of the 15 invaluable laws of growth that we did it was being creative with how you got to find a way to do something. So just because you have a different job than I do does not mean I can't rely on you and see what you've tried and maybe I can spin that 
Just like with our dyslexia episode. It's the one right before, or two before this one, episode 39. But I ended up learning that a lot of the things you do is what I do for my job, too. And so now I can come to you and be like, well, I've always been able to come to you. But, hey, what do you do for this? It's more applicable, even though we do two totally, we work with two totally different groups of Mm -hmm. people. Yep, and we talk about this a lot in education right now, that we are, you know, providing the the students with, you know, this education for jobs that haven't even been created yet. Mm-hmm. So do we just say, oh, forget it. Why do we even bother teaching right. these kids? But, you know, if you can be a lifelong learner, which is a little cliche in our world, but, like, you, that's, that's what I try to tell my kiddos that struggle is that, like, yeah, reading, writing, spelling, like, that's important, but someday you're going to have a job, and who knows to what degree that's going to play a part. But you're going to have to figure out how to learn things that are hard. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't care about reading, that writing, spelling. That carries over to every subject. Yeah. If you can figure out how to do something challenging and learn how to figure it out, you're going to be way more equipped mm-hmm. than kiddos that things come easy right. for them. So if they're like, why do we need to learn algebra? Which we hear all of the time. It's Calculus. Not, it's not that you necessarily need to know algebra later, but you need to know how to figure out tough things so mm-hmm. that when you get in a situation, you know, man, if I can freaking figure out algebra where Satan put letters and numbers together, then I can figure <laughs> out how to do this. <laughs> See, I could do algebra. I could not do geometry. Uh, I love geometry. Shapes, woo, give them to me. But mm-hmm. see, I'd figure out backwards ways to get like a number really close to the right answer. I really, algebra and geometry were great. When I sat in pre-cal for the first 30 minutes of class, I realized I was in the wrong room. <laughs> Let me get out of there. Pre-cal. I was going to be... Maybe I did take pre-cal. It wasn't calculus. Calculus. That's the guy. Did you like, do that nice. at college? No. no. I got to I take... Did. I don't know why <laughs> I did that. Me and your husband, we took social science statistics oh, yes. together. And that was a struggle. And I also didn't know that you could pass-fail a class until... Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I also took stats pass-fail. I, I did not. I didn't know that was a thing. And then I was like, oh, my God. Well, Why didn't you just take a pass-fail? I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. There's I my advisor. Took calc- I was going to be a math major and teach high school and coach high school soccer. And then um, a major in math. I was in the math tutoring two times a week and barely passing. And I was like, well, not for me to do something different. <laughs> Yes. Oh, so I like how you said that, Baron, because some of us have kids that are the age where they're like, well, why? Why? Why do I need to do this? Why do I need to learn that? Mm-hmm. Because we're giving you tools to put mm-hmm. in your tool belt for when we are not there to catch you or whenever it's higher stakes other than a letter grade. Yep. It's something else that's higher stakes. And then the next step, once they're bought into that, you talk about their attitude mm, when they have layers to, have i like the layers say, yes because <laughs> they're like i'm trying and you're like you know they're trying but <laughs> so when your boss gives you something challenging to do you need to be respectful mm-hmm. about that i don't recommend to deploy that one i get to work with my students multiple years so that's what, that's the one i get to deploy when i get them in high school yeah. listen because <laughs> sometimes i feel like they feel safe like our own children, how they let the moms have it. Sometimes I feel like they just need a vent. But then right. we do get to that mm-hmm. one. They don't like that one. All right. <laughs> Number five, envisioning, mm-hmm. which we've kind of dabbled on already. But um, picturing the end goal. Um, I really like this one. If you don't know where you're going, then what are you 
doing. I try not to, I, I realized as I said that it sounded pretty rude. I meant. <laughs> that wasn't rude. You've got to, I remember Paul used to always tell this to us in don't soccer. Don't let the balls drop. <laughs> so Paul's our soccer coach. He's he would definitely say don't let the balls drop. Among other things. Like you're as useless as a chocolate teapot. Which that is pretty yeah. useless. Yeah. But also chocolate tea would be gross. And there wouldn't be no pot because it's hot. Yeah. Not here. We drink cold sweet tea on ice. So quit kicking the ball with your pink purse you fairy. Yeah. You fairy. If that doesn't inspire you to <laughs> try a little bit harder. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my goodness, his one-liners were the best. But he would always tell us, begin with the end in mind. In our very first meeting of every year, we would sit down, we would look at like the road to get to the championship game. And he broke it down, like, we've got to do this, 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 this. And not only did he show us like what the major goal was, he broke it down step by step by step so that we knew what the very next thing we needed to do was. So I thought that was great, and that's something I carried over when I... Coached the high school children. You know, I wonder who taught me that. Pull. It was pull bands. <laughs> pull. Shut up. <laughs> yes, and I think some people can get stuck in this stage, and she goes into this further in a later chapter, but where you like do so much envisioning and um, what's the board, the vision, vision board, board. Mm-hmm. and planning, and you feel like you're doing all this work. Enneagram fives. But then you haven't actually done anything. And that's not to say that you don't need to plan and do some research, but just be careful not to be caught in that. And then the other end of the spectrum is um, thinking this far ahead. You know, you might need someone to help talk you through your your end game. Mm-hmm. Farron was gesturing right in front of her nose for the people who aren't watching. In front on of the my YouTubes. nose. And then near the camera on the, the tube. <laughs> the wide tube. Oh my, I don't even know. We'll have to edit that oh, out. Oh man. Uh, so Brene Brown also talks about, I think it's in Dare to Lead, what she wrote. Um, how to have conversations with her group of her team, whatever her team, whoever her, is on her team. They have, I guess, like fight rules in the office. And one of her things is, what does done look like? So if, Farron, you gave me an assignment to do, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure, like, I didn't have all the details, I would ask, what does done look like? Or what is good, and what is your mm-hmm. vision for this? And mm-hmm. then getting that clarification. So I've started to use that in my workplace. That book is Dare to Lead. And I think that's important, too, as parents, because we tell our kids to do something. And we know what we mean. Oh my goodness. There have been like hindsight things when I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, <laughs> you I see. literally picked up Ooh. the book and put it up higher. I meant like uh, away. Yeah. <laughs> like when I say clean your room and you push everything to the outside walls. Well, what I say is I want your room so clean that I can see your carpet. Oh. And so then... A certain child who comes up often, and I do love her, but she thinks of the other, which is creative, okay? She's a three. Maybe she's cutting the corners. You just push everything to the sides of your room, and then, Mom, look, you can see my carpet. Mm, the carpet is one but, big shelf. But it's even this, Mommy, Mommy, guess what? You can see my carpet now. Come look, come look. I'm already, you're already done? Yeah, it was easy. And then you're like, mm, okay, and then you walk in, and then just, oh. You did it wrong. (laughs) But I can see the carpet. Anyway, so I think that's a good tactic to use as a parent. 
and then have them say back what you said is always a good thing. Exit ticket. Not as like a control thing, but to make sure that you guys are both on the same same page. page. And that's good for any relationship even. Yeah. Me and Morgan use that one a lot. And we've talked about this too multiple times in the podcast about what I'm hearing you say is blah, 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 blah. So if I would have said, hey, I want your room so clean that I can see your carpet. And I said, so what did I say? Um, Move all my stuff out of the way so you can see my carpet. No, 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 no. Mm. I want you to put your dirty clothes in the dirty clothes basket, your books on your shelf, all the things. Right. Because even what she said back to you still wasn't wrong. It wasn't. It just wasn't what you wanted. But because I know her, it would have been a hint. Mm. But, yes. (laughs) Yes. All right. So she goes on and talks about why our beliefs tend to stick. So... Um, To me, this is why she's explaining why beliefs matter, Mm. um, because they're kind of like a habit. Yes. So once you have it, it's really hard to break the belief or the habit. Right. And that could be just a limiting belief you have for yourself or a mindset shift. Like, oh, one of the examples she uses is most of the divorces ended marriage. So whatever that statistically means to you. So anything that's a successful marriage is a fluke or it just doesn't, that's an outlier. So you've got to think about how your perce- your perception can actually, we talked about this, the positivity, it increases positivity. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a positive perception on things. Yes, and another popular word is adding yet. Yes. So I can't do this yet. Um, I like that one a whole lot. I do. I use that one a lot with my kids. Someone was trying to say something, oxygen. She was trying to say oxygen the other day. And she kept not saying it correctly. She's like, oh, I can't do it. And I said, yes, you can. And then we broke down the word, and she was like, oxygen. I'm like, see? She's like, oh, yeah, I can do it. I'm like, see? You can. And how you said with the soccer skill tactic stuff. Oh, yes. We have some girls on the team that get sad that they don't score. And so then they stomp, pout, and want to sit on the field or on the other team's bench. And I've been there. I'm competitive. I like to score. But what I try to tell them is, well, if you sit here, you're definitely not going to score. And if you go sit on the bench, you're definitely not going to score from the bench. And so just trying to help them with that. You got to give yourself a chance. Mm -hmm. I like, too, how she has this phrase about mastering our minds rather than them being mastered, mastering us. So master your mind instead of letting your mind master you. Yes. Which... At first, it's kind of hard. You're like, well, my mind doesn't do that. Because I think sometimes we think our mind is on the same team. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes the fear, which we'll get into in a later chapter, uh, is in there to keep you safe and from harm. But sometimes it's a little over the top. Or the negative self-talk. Um, at one point in my life, negative self-talk was how, like, I was like, oh, I'm going to prove that boy's wrong. And so it like, fire me up to, like... The inner critic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, man, that just made the inner critic want to prove me wrong. And so, <laughs> oh, yeah? Remember yeah. that time you were successful? No, you're not. Yes. <gasps> and so it just got meaner. My goodness. So, again, um, a lot of times I think people brush over that, like, my mind's against me. We're on the same team here. But uh, I challenge you to take a deeper look at that. Mm-hmm. one for sure I also like that she says best of all changing your beliefs doesn't have to be hard it just takes awareness desire and practice so again that deliberate intentional practice like we talked about in our grit mini series 
you've got to be able to see it, see what you want to fix, replace it with something else, and then continually doing this. If you run one time, you're not going to lose 10 pounds. You need to run consistently. I know. I know. (laughs) I wish it was different too. I didn't make the rules. So there's that. Well, I think the practice is something we've talked about before too. Don't wait until you're in it awful situation and say well I guess I better practice being positive like you need to practice the positivity every single day that way when you do hit something difficult you kind of have that stored positivity Mm -hmm. and that habit of looking for the good right um but if you don't practice any of that and then you have an awful day and you're like well they said I need to be positive it's probably not gonna work right that's and and you can do that with anything like right now I am so glad I have this Dr. Pepper right here. Number one, it's delicious. And number two, it gives me life. It's the elixir of life. This is not an ad. (laughs) It's not, but hey, do you want to sponsor us? Yeah. But also, you can use, if you also don't know how to pray, that's where you can start too with gratitude stuff. Thank you, God, for Dr. Pepper because it's awesome. So whoever made that up, thanks for all those 23 delicious flavors in the right combination to make this beverage. And we've talked before that we thank God for green lights. Yeah, we do. God. Stay green, stay green, stay green. Please, Thank please, you, please. God. Yellow is kind of green. <laughs> no cop, no stop. Yellow and another no, color make green, so it works. <laughs> so another part, well, what we mentioned at the beginning of this book is that she is going to give her perception and we're going to put our Jesus spin on it. Mm-hmm. So one of the parts she says is you already have what it takes to transform yourself into whatever you want to be. So we're going to add with God. So with God, you can transform and he, the Bible even talks about transforming by the renewing of your mind, daily kind of thing. So, again, if the Bible's saying you'll be transformed daily, then daily we should be doing whatever we're trying to do or trying mm-hmm. to accomplish or trying to work for. Yep. And I think that goes, too, with, like, the different beliefs. Um, and in Scripture, all the people that either didn't believe like the flood right Mm -hmm. (laughs) where are they now no i'm just kidding (laughs) i'm just kidding Uh, (laughs) or when you know people were trying to feed five thousand people with some bread and some fish so it just i mean it could be life or it could be you know feeding people but you see plenty of examples of either people not believing or having little faith and god still coming through and all the examples so Mm -hmm. Again, um, it's easier to be positive, we feel like, if you have faith and hope in the future. So um, right, a lot of that lines up with everything she talks about in this chapter, in this whole book, really. So this chapter with the magic of belief, a lot of it, she talks about the repetition, the positivity. So what she's talking about is plasticity. So that's neuroplasticity. So official definition is the ability of the brain to form and re- reorganize synaptic connections. So the synapses talk to each other. They It's like the lightning between the two, the, the synaptic gap. Pew, pew, pew. That's what I imagine in my head. I imagine tinker toys, and it's the two wooden yes. circles. Oh, that's a good and analogy. the synapse yes. is like that blue, long peg. All right, lightning and tinker toys, guys. <laughs> See, anyone can understand neuroplasticity, but it's that repetition. So something that's interesting, and I, don't, I assume it's part of your job too, but the reading program we use... It intentionally rewires neural networks to help kids read, which Mm -hmm. is crazy. And when you are initially going through this training, you're like, this? What kind of cult is this? But then you implement it, and then it works. And you're like, what? Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm sold. Fine. Uh, Fine. It works. It seemed pointless, but I'll do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Like, people with dyslexia, um, like your average learner, 
with average abilities, whatever that means to you, um, needs like 20 exposures to new content to like have it stored in their long-term memory. 20. 20. Which but, means you need to hear something 20 times Yeah, which sounds stick. like a big number. But people with dyslexia need it 500 to 1,000 times. So part of the repetition in the curriculum every single day is to get that exposure up. And it might be How fast thousand. do you have to talk? Oh, no. But see, write your name on your paper, it. write your name on your paper, write your name on your paper. No, because some of them, it's a processing speed issue. So when you talk like this, they hear you saying, when you talk like this. And so uh-huh. you can't just say it faster. Oh, oh, how am I going to get to my 500? Oh, man. Time. R- yeah. Routines and procedures. All that to say, Repetition. from your experience with dyslexia, yeah. it takes time to rewire your brain. Mm-hmm. So time, repetition, deliberate practice. Put it on a flashcard. Like the sticky note on the mirror thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe give yourself some flashcards with positive mantras on there. I love it. Yeah. Read through your affirmations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she just goes on to say, again, that repetition is the key principle of neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I was able to say it. And so the chapter then ends um, before she gives you kind of some things to journal about, talk about. Uh, think about is that again everything is figure outable so if that is something that you can get your brain to think and believe then every time you run into a problem your initial reaction isn't going to be like well forget it or why try know, yeah it your initial reaction is going to be like everything's figure outable and you're, what oh where'd that come from mm-hmm. i like it so again we're gonna say all things are possible mm-hmm. through Christ. So, yes, everything is figure outable through Christ. So, that's how we're doing our Jesus spin on it. At the end of each chapter, she gives insight to action challenges, which is like the 15 Valuable Laws of Growth. At mm-hmm. the end of each chapter, he gives some things to do. So, in this one, there's six things for you to do. They kind of build on top of each other. So, we want you to get the book. We'll link it in the show notes. But make sure you go through the steps. Um, a lot of them would be like, what are your limiting beliefs you have and how can you change the narrative in your head and then come up with a roadmap. So again, it's kind of step by step. And if you want some action points, go for that. And we might have something coming your way soon. We'll see. Oh, you're such a tease. Ah, yeah. (laughs) Redhead. I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) Leaving it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll end on that note, right? Well, I was just going to say that we always encourage our listeners to go out and get the book. Um, we definitely hit what we feel are the high notes, but there's could be something that speaks to you. Yeah. And I really do think you would enjoy um, the questions and action points at the end to um, do. Or maybe we'll have something for you instead. Boom. Even if your hair is not red. <laughs> oh, it rhymes. Rhyming. You rhyme all the time. On a dime. I saw it on the sign. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast. Join us at wittyandgritty.blog, where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our blog, and listen to more episodes. We have a Facebook group out there just for you, for discussion, support, and community. And don't forget to get your freebie that's designed just for this mini-series. If you have any questions, reach out. We'll be right there.